and let the honey soak through. 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Streaming online at www.kkfi.org. The views and opinions of this program are those of its host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 90.1 FM, KKFI, Midcoast Radio Project, or its staff and volunteers. My story, sad story now. Still waiting for the truth to be told City Community Radio. This is Urban Connections. I'm your host, Donna Morrow-Wolf, our co-host. Karen E. Griffin is in studio, along with our guests today joining us virtually, Damron Russell Armstrong. Uh, welcome, Damron, to back to KKFI and Urban Connections. Hey, Donna, how are you? It's been a minute. It has been a minute. It has been a minute. And I'm grateful that all these minutes have passed and that we are all still here, able, willing, and ready to join together again in, you know, a fellowship of organic exchanges of ideas and, and information. That's what we do. I love that. And doing it all through the arts. 
Yes, absolutely, doing it all through the arts. I want to, first of all, thank my co-host and co-producer, Karen E. Griffin, for facilitating our meeting here uh, today. Um, thank you, Karen. You're welcome. Thank you. Wait a minute, which mic are you on, honey? I think I'm on that one. They, on this one. Th there you are. That's there my, you that's, are. That's my hot mic. The hot mic. Karen on the hot mic. I'm on the hot mic. She's often on the hot mic. <laughs> Uh, Damron, thank you so much uh, for being here once again today. Yeah. Damron uh, Russell Armstrong is the executive director and founder of the Black Repertory Theater of Kansas City. And he was recently uh, director of a play, uh, A Raisin in the Sun, Lorraine Hansberry's classic drama, a Raisin in the Sun. Uh, he was doing this in collaboration and in a partnership a production with the Lewis and Shirley White Theater at the Jewish Community Center of Greater Kansas City, apparently also known as The J. And uh, a collaboration with that theater and with the Black Repertory Theater of Kansas City. So uh, the production uh, in, in this iteration, iteration has ended. But I wanted you to come on and share your experience of directing that play, of, of producing that play in your collaboration with another theater organization. So tell us all Absolutely. about it, Dan, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now that I'm a little old, long in the tooth, as it were, I can't even remember. Uh, I know for a fact that this was required reading uh, when I was in high school, mm -hmm. and I grew up in an era where my first uh, introduction with the play itself was the movie starring Ruby D and Sydney, a very young Sydney Portier. And Louis Gossett Jr. was in yeah. that also. Yeah, amazing. Absolutely. And just that sort of overwhelming realization that people look who looked like I did. Uh, could have a career in film and in television was just the thing that sort of resounded in my soul, uh, along with, of course, having older sisters that were debutantes and uh, uh, had a uh, art background themselves. So I was sort of destined mm -hmm. <laughs> to this uh, sort of work, uh, which I, I, I happily wear proudly as an African-American man yes, coming back to Kansas City to start this company. Uh, the Black Repertory Theater has been in business for eight years. Uh, this is the end of our seventh production season. And one of the greatest things about Kansas City is our love for sort of enrichment festivals and how you want to go to the Greek festival or to the Irish festival and look at all of the sights and smell the foods uh, from these different regions, which is why I thought it was important uh, after 20 years to come back from New York City and bring and build a platform for African-American voices. And along the way, I made <laughs> some friends, uh, and one of those is the J the Lewis and Shirley White Theater, because this is our second collaboration with them. The first, uh, a year ago, was the musical Memphis, uh, which uh, takes place in the namesake of the show. 
uh, Memphis on Beale Street uh, and this love affair that happens uh, with the first Caucasian DJ to play R&B on white radio. Hmm. And then his love affair with the music and then his love affair with Felicia, who is the, the female songstress uh, uh, in the show. So opening up conversation is what we're really all about. And so when it was suggested that we do a Raisin in the Sun, I thought, well, this is a perfect example of a Pulitzer Prize winning play that still resounds to this day. The, yeah. the show itself is uh, based off of a poem by Langston Hughes, uh, Raisin in the Sun, What Happens to a Dream Deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun? How many of us have had goals and hopes and dreams that didn't present themselves realized uh, in the time frame that we thought it should be? Mm -hmm. So, but just because it's deferred, does that mean that it can't come to fruition at some point? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, Lorraine Hansberry did a an immaculate job of talking about uh, racism, poverty uh, in this show, and still dreams were still allowed to flourish, whether it was uh, mother received, the family receiving the $10,000 check. Uh, of course, in that time, $10,000 is a lot of money. Consider and even today, anybody living on the poverty line, $10,000. <laughs> I think most folks. I think most folks would appreciate ten thousand dollars across many, many uh, <laughs> strata of our uh, economic uh, environment here. Uh, this was yes. this was in nineteen fifty nine, when uh, yes. Lorraine Hansberry's play "A Raisin in the Sun" was first staged, right? And the right. fact that it's still the relevant. African American female to have a show on Broadway. Okay. And the first one to win, uh, what is the Critics Award um, that uh, Lorraine Hansberry, she won um, the New York Times, the New York Drama Circles Award for Best Play. Um, and she was the youngest person ever to do that and the first African-American playwright to win that award, as Damron said. Uh, the Tony and the Pulitzer Prize were also won by this play, A Raisin in the Sun. But the fact that, that the theme is still re relevant, mm -hmm. uh, the redlining of, uh, of uh, uh, families uh, so that they were not able to buy in an area of the city that they could afford mm -hmm. and they couldn't get uh, insurance and, and loans for homes uh, in, this, in this time, and it's still true today. Absolutely, and we, we we've had our fair share of that uh, in Kansas City. Even with the the founding fathers of the layout of Kansas City mm -hmm. was Lutherans here, Catholics here, Jewish here, minorities here, mm -hmm. and those were the particular parts of town that you were allowed uh, to be in. And even more recently, uh, banks were called on the carpet because they wouldn't loan to black in order to move into certain neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. So some, some, the so same. It's, it's, 
still it's still quite relevant. Very, even though they're this trying to very gay. So in order and bringing that these conversations to the forefront is what the Black Repertory Theater is all about. And I know we now live in an age where sometimes it seems like we're going backwards and people want to burn books and right. ban books from schools. And, 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 this is, and this is one of those plays that yes. people are questioning, should we talk about? But what people don't understand, if you discount or try to whitewash history, you are doomed to trip over those same issues yep. over and over again. Let's get together, have conversations, confront the issues, yep. and then be able to move on from there. Because if you don't, you will revisit the same the issue. Same thing. It, you know, as you're saying, erase. But it's, I would have to say the plus to this is now we do have the arts. So they cannot erase our artistic history. You know what I'm saying? Because we still have this ability to express through the arts, of course, with your production. We still have that capability. They're not going to erase that. Um, they cannot erase uh, a person who's a vocalist. They cannot erase uh, a person who's a musician, a hand painter, quilting. That part of the art of African-Americans, blacks, whatever you call it, you will never be able to erase that. You can white line it through a book all you want to. Like I said, burn a book. But that history is going to come back and you're going to trip back over it. Well, because we're still here. Because yeah. the people are still we're here. We're still here. Yeah. Um, Tamron, what is it like uh, to collaborate uh, with another theater organization? What exactly does that mean, Black Repertory Theater of Kansas City, in, in a collaboration of a production uh, of A Raising oh. in the Sun? <laughs> The, the unsexy part of theater. Mm-hmm. That's what it means. Okay. It's the two, art, two artistic heads getting together and pounding out a budget mm-hmm. of what is affordable for both theater companies. Okay. Uh, now, the, the J has a 500-seat theater, which is possibly one of the best theaters in Kansas City mm-hmm. with regards to size and updated equipment and all of that. So anytime we at the Black Rep, a very small, small company, get to go out and play in their pool, it's it's always a joy because uh, a lot of the concerns that we have as a small organization with regards to budgets for costumes or hair or makeup or set design, uh, in the collaboration, we uh, decide who, what company is doing what. And a lot of my job is, uh, of course, setting the season budget for Black Rep, but also the budget that we can afford for this show, which is usually money that goes towards uh, uh, artists. Mm-hmm. So a big chunk of what I bring to the table is the amount of money that I can pay for uh, the actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the flip side, uh, the J comes in with their design team. And so nine months before each production, we start having production meetings every month Mm -hmm. where we sit down and um, uh, with myself being the director, I check in with each department to make sure that we're on the same page with one another. And certainly when it comes to something that's based in African-American history, to be able to... uh, dramaturg the show Mm -hmm. and for folks that have not heard that word before it really is 
the history behind the time of the show. Mm -hmm. So I can tell the costume designer, well, we can't quite do that because that is too modern. Mm -hmm. It's not a 50s, 60s look. So let's take a look at that. And with the set designer, uh, they have such an incredibly large theater space out there. Mm -hmm. And my biggest comment was, I need for you to truncate the entire set. We need to feel cramped in this place, mm -hmm. and it should look like there's a reason why these people need to get out right of this on. place. Mm -hmm. Right on. I love, I yeah. appreciate your, your, your effort to bring the whole feel and the whole vision of where they were living, which, which speaks to how they were mm -hmm. feeling in, in, that, in that space. I think that's uh, absolutely uh, brilliant yeah. to even think of that. And there's so many jobs that you've mentioned already in this theater production. The set designers who have to be, what, master carpenters and, <laughs> and, 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 and what, visual artists, because you have to con draw this or something to conceive of yeah, it. Yeah, they, they first submit uh, a, well, now it's all done on computers. Sure. Uh, <laughs> a, a virtual look at the set, and mm -hmm. then from there we dissected but then on their end, it's uh, one person designs, somebody else comes and builds, mm -hmm. another scenic designer comes in and paints or distresses uh, the set so that it looks like a really cramped old uh, apartment that's mm -hmm. really falling apart mm -hmm. at the scene. But it's just this artistic masterpiece mm -hmm. of taking something and making it seem old. Mm -hmm. 1950s. Uh, you know, apartment in South Chicago, Chicago, South Chicago, Chicago. With, with one light yeah. bulb, yeah, for the whole house, <laughs> something yeah. like that. Yeah, you got to keep it real, and I love the fact that you said that is to keep it real. And um, but I think it also, and correct me if wrong, because it, it also keeps the audience nice and centered to the main point of view, and mm -hmm. not have to look every place else to be distracted. And like you said, the, yeah. the I mean, job, and I've seen, I, yeah, and it is so important the designers' input. Uh, because I've seen the show. I mean, I did uh, a national tour mm -hmm. of the show. Did the show at the ref like 25, 30 years ago. <laughs> now you, um, acted, you <laughs> acted in it then? And did you act in this production of it? Uh, I directed this production, but in the first incarnation, uh, Bill Bellamy from uh, Number Theater, which is wow. this uh, in incredibly it's, it's it's a house in uh, Minnesota mm -hmm. uh, that a lot of August Wilson's work was originally done so his tutelage has been uh, just something that I will always remember uh, in his production where I play uh, the role of Bobo uh, like I said we did it there we did it uh, Arizona Theater Company, they have two stages, so we did it in Tucson and in Phoenix. Um, Cleveland Playhouse uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, and then other places. But then it all, the tour culminated and ended at uh, the Guthrie Theater, hmm. uh, also in Minneapolis, St. Paul, which forever I thought was just the shopping mall of theater <laughs> because it had five different floors in a theater on each of them. So wow. there's so much art happening every night in this one place. 
Wow. Uh, it was brilliant. And it was great to uh, certainly bring this show uh, to the folks of Minneapolis. So how do you, an actor with a huge repertoire uh, uh, and just multitudes of, of experience as an actor, mm-hmm. how do you restrain yourself enough, I would imagine, to just direct and not get up there and do it yourself? Because I think all artists sort of evolve or you just retire from the business. Mm. Because... Starting the Black Repertory Theater of Kansas City, I knew it had to be something that was not about me. It was about building a platform in Kansas City for Black authors, uh, Black actors, for Kansas Cityans to see these experiences live and then have some idea of what life as an African American is in America. So often, uh, we go off on different tangents, but it's instead of getting to the crux of the experience, because sometimes it's hard, but theater always, are, the arts are always this catalyst for conversation and therefore for change. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have African Americans in your life, theater provides that. Movies provide that. Art provides that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a glimpse into the experience of a people so you just don't discount it because you don't have any African-American friends and you don't know the African-American experience. And, and like I said earlier, it's that, that love of culture will bring us through any hardships that we have in this country if we just sit down and take an opportunity to learn about the other person, which is one of the lines uh, in in A Raisin in the Sun, okay. when Mr. Lindner comes in and says, you know what, the, one of the biggest problems in this world is, is that people won't just sit down and talk nice to each other. Mm. I mean, nice, like you should. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With- <laughs> of course, he's delivering it in a way that he's about to tell the family uh, that they want they don't want them to move into the neighborhood mm-hmm. um, yeah <laughs> we 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 call that nice nasty where right. I come from always um, <laughs> a comma before the butt right? yeah but um, <laughs> yeah so uh, talk about talk about the actors that you um engaged to play the characters. Uh, in this play, A Raisin in the Sun. Uh, now, you know, I saw the movie A Raisin in the Sun like probably most people of our age group did. I hope, you know, recently, um, was it Diddy played a ra- played um, the the younger yeah. son, right, um, on yeah. Broadway? Uh, P. Diddy. Yeah, he did, uh, it was uh, Diddy, uh, Felicia Rashad, Felicia Rashad yeah. as the mother, as Lena Younger, mm-hmm. and Audra McDonald as Ruth. Oh, so okay. here you have this this cross-art mm-hmm. uh, superstars coming to do this show. Mm-hmm. And I think 
it, it's very funny the number of people that come from the greater Kansas City area, uh, uh, including the dot, uh, which is <laughs> which is why I'm coming to you via satellite, is because uh, I'm uh, in Denver at uh, the opening of The Color Purple, starring uh, Angela Wildflower Polk, who's from the dot. Wyandotte County, Kansas, for those yeah. who might not yeah. be that cool. Yeah. And so that's how I sort of approach all of my shows in Kansas City, because for so many years, because I came up through the ranks of uh, American Heartland Theater, the Unicorn Theater, uh, Theater for Young America. Uh, but, and what I heard a lot of times was, we can't do such and such show because we don't have the talent for it in Kansas City. Oh my. And my reply to that was, what are you doing to nurture, in this case, African-American actors to do these said plays that you say you c- cannot be done in the city? Mm-hmm. And so my, my company, the Black Repertory Theater of Kansas City, is almost an MFA program because I'm building bridges to folks who sing in church, mm-hmm. to folks who do church shows, to the high schoolers that are coming up through our educational component, to let them know that there are real-life jobs in the theater. Yeah. You like, uh, you want to be a fashion designer? You could easily be a costume designer while you work out on your own personal line. Lighting designer, stage management, uh, front-of-house administrative positions, there's so much to be learned, but you first have to, you have to go and find the people. Don't wait for them to come to you. And so even with the casting of this show, uh, the legendary Lynn King played uh, mother or Lena Younger in our production, who I've known, I think our first show we did was at the Unicorn Theater trip. Betrayal of the Black Jesus mm-hmm. uh, in 1991. Wow. <laughs> so, so I've known her for quite a bit of time. And uh, and then uh, the Walter, Walter Young uh, was Jamel Williams, uh, who I knew through his mother. He hadn't done a show since high school. Oh, boy. And so I brought him in because he was the best one to audition. Right on. And in, and in this, this sort of world of education that I'm trying to build at Black Rep is uh, the ability to be able to pull back a little bit and explain to young actors who haven't gone through a program Simple things like what stage left and what stage right and what's upstage and what's downstage and how to dissect a character. There always should be a question mark on every page of your script. What is the most important word in a sentence? What is the most important part of a paragraph? So that it's about the word and let them do the work. Mm -hmm. And so, so I have professional actors, equity, union actors in shows, but I also have inexperienced high school students. Wow. 
And, and, and I do that so that the non-professional can see how the professional works mm-hmm. and have real-time experience of how this works in the real professional world. And so we're, is- we're super excited about the structure of this. I mean, we even start with our, our, our educational programming that's uh, repertory in-school empowerment mm-hmm. program, which we engage uh, high school students through playwriting. And I tell them, I, you don't have to walk away from this program and be the greatest actor of all time. But what I do want you to be able to do is to be able to articulate your hopes, your dreams, your fears. So when you get graduate from high school, you can walk into uh, a college interview or a job at McDonald's mm-hmm. and be able to present yourself in a way that you're always vocalizing what is important to you being being, yeah being your own advocate being your own best representative being best uh prepared that is just uh absolutely uh fabulous and what a wonderful uh gift yeah it is first impression impression. you're bringing uh, uh with your arts uh education i'm so glad that you're in the schools with the high schoolers. And I don't know, this would, I think, be relevant for um, elementary school kids as well. Do you do any programming with, um, you know, younger kids? Uh, For uh, the month of June every year, we do a Young Actors Summer Conservatory, which is a four-week boot camp uh, where students have classes in music, dance, drama, scenic design. Uh, and a couple of them even who are interested in, in tech get a little taste of that. And the way it's laid out is that by the time they get to the fourth week, they've learned the show. Wow. So the, so, uh, the curriculum for this boot camp is a show. So last year it was they learned Lion King Jr. Oh, Before God. that, The Wiz. Before that, Serafina. Oh, cool. And so this summer it's going to be The Jungle Book. And all of that information will soon be, um, not quite on there yet, but okay. soon will be on the website at brtkc.org. And if you just look up uh, the educational button, click on that, it'll mm-hmm. drop down okay. and give you more information soon. Are you the webmaster too, Damron? And I'm kind of getting the impression. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because he says, soon I'm to not me. the webmaster, <laughs> but I am the person to give the webmaster all the, data, of the data, graphics right and the now. information. <laughs> so they're waiting on me okay. to do so the my seventeenth job. All righty. Because you know, I always tell people, I say, uh, yes, I'm the executive artistic director, the boss, but that only means that I'm the janitor uh-huh. and the director. There you so, go. So in my list of jobs, one of those things is getting that those materials to in the right hand. So it has not quite happened yet, but please be on the outlook for that. And the really great thing about it is, uh, of course, there's a fee associated with it, but we have gotten a really great response. So there are a number of scholarship opportunities Bravo. to be a part of the summer camp. So Bravo. don't let money be an issue because we can take care of that. Bravo. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to take a break right now when we come back. 
we will continue our conversation with Damron Russell Armstrong, who is the executive director and founder of the Black Repertory Theater of Kansas City. Stay with us. We will be right back. You don't want to miss the rest of this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we'll be right back after these messages. Jaws of Justice Radio investigates how we can achieve justice from a system of laws deeply rooted in economic, political, and social inequality. We strive to dispel misconceptions created by the news and entertainment industries as well as the fear-mongering of the political system. Listen in as we search out the tools needed to make our community a more just environment. Jaws of Justice Radio, Mondays at 9 a.m., right after Democracy Now! Do you have feedback about the shows you hear on KKFI? The KKFI Listener Survey is the way to let us know. You can go online to kkfi.org survey and give us your thoughts on our programming. City's own Charlie Parker, also known as Yard Bird. How deep is the ocean? You're tuned to 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. This is Urban Connections. I'm your host, Donna Wolf. Our co-host, Karen E. Griffin, is here in studio and joining us remotely. Our guest, Damron Russell Armstrong, executive director and founder of the Black Repertory Theater of Kansas City. And and you just got through telling us about your uh, kids' summer boot camp that lasts four weeks, but I'm thinking it probably needs to last four months um, in order to really... Are oh, you trying to give me more, more work to do? Yes. Um, There's only 24 hours in a day. I know, I know, I know, but... Can't you sort of like clone yourself or something? But there's there's such a great need. There's such a great need for our children, all children, but our children in particular, who have been so often underrepresented, unrepresented, marginalized, um, stereotyped, mm. and all that kind of stuff. There's such a great need for the type of... Um, enriching, nourishing education that you are offering them. These are life lessons you're talking about uh, teaching to kids. Absolutely. For uh, my programming that I try to put out there uh, has a lot to do with critical thinking, has a lot to do with conflict resolution, because uh, as you're saying, certainly, there, there's a time that a cute young black boy stops being cute, and it's about the time that he becomes a man. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what uh, that the, the road that we have to uh, travel uh, certainly educates us 
towards prison than it does to higher education. Mm-hmm. So engaging students at a young age and showing them the possibilities uh, that lie in, uh, ahead of them that is not just sort of uh, what mass media sources uh, throw at them that uh, government institutions sort of try to pigeonhole them to be, that there's endless possibility. Yeah. And uh, still to this day, well, through the marvels of cinema, but a hundred years late, hidden <laughs> figures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just sat there, and you know, I grew up in a house of uh, a mother who marched with Dr. King, and so my connection with the civil rights movement is, Real. Uh, I, I, it's not something that I read in a book. Yeah. But to, to think that we wouldn't have made it into space without not only the, the three featured women mm-hmm. uh, that are uh, featured in the movie Hidden Figures, but <laughs> I, I love it. Oh, uh, oh what's her name? Uh, Octavia. Mm-hmm. Uh, says in the, uh, in the film, my girls are ready. <laughs> so just this, Period. of African-American women that were working at NASA mm-hmm. that nobody knows about mm-hmm. got, us in, got us into space. Mm-hmm. And that's a footnote. Yeah. As opposed to this lush, beautiful story. So I, I can't imagine how many young African-American women or just women after seeing that film was like young girls going, Oh, I have affinity for numbers. Mm-hmm. I never knew this was a job to be had. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, educating educating students that there's something more than they could possibly dream right. is attainable. Right. You have to start young with that because so many of the disenfranchised communities within our city sort of live according to what's in your zone A. Mm -hmm. What's in your neighborhood? What are the people talking about doing in your neighborhood? It's it's, it's the sort of education that has to also happen at home. Right. Mm -hmm. I, uh, of course, uh, am the daughter of of generations of of black women, as is is Karen. And uh, that phrase... My girls are ready. Right. Always ready. That's a black woman right. theme. theme. It's not the, get the ready. The women that it's raised me, yeah. that was underlying everything. My girls are ready. Right. My children right. are ready. I have done everything I can to prepare them. I have mm-hmm. sacrificed. I have, you know, worked. I have dreamed. I have screamed. I've cried. You know, all of that. Prayed. All of that. Answer. I, uh, that that's what that phrase uh, says to me. That's how it resonates with me. My girls are right. ready. And, um, yeah. yeah. And, and it's very important. Uh, my mother had always instilled in me, like Demron is saying, when you go for that job interview, uh, always take two pencils and two pens, just in case. They'll never go in. But uh, something that was instilled in me at a young age, and this was even in my elementary school, and I, and I was glad to be 
exposed to this to see have black teachers that were eager to push you. And I think that's where we have this disc gap now is that we don't have those community teachers like we used to. You know, back then, the teachers lived in the neighborhood and they went to your same church. And so there was this connection. But in like Donna was saying, in my household, my mom would always say, hey, your first impression has to be your best impression, which is the last impression. So don't don't walk up in there thinking you got it if you do not look to par or if you're not being prepared and presented. So thank you so much for preparing the children at a young age because nowadays our children are glued to their digital pacifiers. And so they're going by what they see on their digital pacifier, which is not making them any kind of money, but it's to see what everybody else is doing so they feel they have to do it too. But they don't realize there's a job behind that and they don't realize those are careers. Like you said, there's multiple careers in the acting world. And I think they just need to be exposed to that and, and not that there's always a basketball job or a baseball job, you know? It's like, there's options out there. So thank you again. Uh, Absolutely, I've always, said, I've always said that as well. Uh, there's nothing with, wrong nothing at wrong. all with being a rapper. Mm -hmm. There's nothing at all being a basketball player. But let me tell you, the engineer <laughs> in the studio, when you come in, you do your rap album, you leave the engineer always has a job that's yes. right that's right always. That, always and can make or break you the artist sure can uh by their by their craft well then there's this pro then there's the production part people don't realize there's there's a lot of i think what people see within an hour they think it's done within an hour and then like you were saying there's nine months and probably way before that because there's someone black who writes the script there's someone who edits the script so and i think when children don't know there's these all these other options i mean there's an introvert jobs and there's an extrovert job. That's always going to be the case because a person who is an introvert is not necessarily going to be an extrovert and perform on that stage. They're just not going to do right. it. Or, um, or you as an introvert, that could be your way to express that yourself. On your own paper. Is to perform on yep. the stage and say the words that were written that you can learn and yeah. study and keep yourself on, on the uh, inside. Um, talk about the audition Oh, yeah. Uh, process. Uh, Damron, what is that like? And yeah, how do, how do, pe how how do people prepare? <laughs> uh -oh, the audition process to me is always funny uh, because <laughs> I. You laugh at people's pain yeah, exactly. and, and I, terror, right? I, how you keep a straight I, face I, with I'm that? Gonna, I'm going to be real with y'all. Uh, I'm going to be totally real. I am a horrible auditioner no horrible. Uh, it, 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 because it really is an art form of itself yes uh and so for me to i have to be over prepared for the audition so uh, when i was an actor it was i had a book that had every genre of music in it so uh, i would uh, give you Ray Goodman and Brown, or I would give you The Wiz, or I, I have a German piece of opera that I would sing. That was my book. And then monologue-wise, it would be a classical piece, whether it's Shakespeare or Moliere, or it was a contemporary piece, like something from August Wilson, Fences, or Seven Guitars, and something that you knew cold. Mm -hmm. 
So get in there, and when the nerves overcome you, you still – it's something that you worked on. Okay. So, and that is, that is the hugest thing about auditioning. You don't try to go in and do something you learned last night. Right. Because it's not going to work, and you're not putting your best foot forward. Yeah. So always when you read what the character's uh, descriptions are, so you're 17 and you're reading for a woman who's 47, more than likely you're not going to get that part. Mm. But you should be reading for the 14 through 20 roles in the show. And so much, and you, you talked about being glued <laughs> to our, our digital pacifiers, pacifiers. Um, take that moment <laughs> to watch, ingest all of the information, because unless it's a brand new show, mm -hmm. somebody else has already produced Raisin in the Sun. Mm -hmm. So go through and listen to those uh, uh, monologues in the show and follow along with it because it'll help you to sort of understand the the best portion uh, to choose for an audition. And uh, coming from uh, 20 years in New York where there on average would be 1,600 women uh, for maybe 10 to 15 roles. Wow. In a play, in a musical. Wow. And then sort of cut that in half for the number of women who are coming in for just a play that might have two female roles in it. Mm. So you're going up against the best of the best, and it's almost a carbon copy of you. So for all of my time in New York, there were five of us that were at every single audition. Oh and it just came down to who had the fire that day mm -hmm. and who, more importantly, is in the room that perhaps you worked with before. Okay. Because for as talented as you can be, a lot goes into who you know in the room. Mm -hmm. And that leads to what like Karen was saying, what was your first impression mm -hmm. and what did you leave that experience with that person as? If you didn't have a work ethic and you would, uh, had an attitude about everything, people want to work with people they like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. okay. So the ability to sort of take yourself out of the world that's crushing you outside that door and then come in here and do your best 24-7, yeah. having studied, because this is not anything that just comes to you. Everybody has to prepare. And so for us, you'll find on the website, brtkc.org, under uh, the tab Audition, we list everything, what the show is about, each character and the description from age to attitude mm -hmm. are all listed on there. So, again, Black Rep is a grassroots theater company, which means it's all about you. We want Kansas Cityans to come in and take ownership of the programming of the show, of 
the casting of this show, but you have to show up in order for this theater to last into next year, to 10 years, to 25 years uh, from now. So it really needs to be a grassroots effort, as it was from the very beginning. I mean, from $5 to $99 or what people donated out of their pockets mm-hmm. to get it on its feet for the first year. Yeah, right on. Uh, we got to take one more break, and we'll come back, continue our conversation with the executive director of the Black Repertory Theater, Damron Russell Armstrong. Stay tuned. We'll be back. Support for KKFI brought to you by the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art, presenting their new exhibition, Alberto Giacometti, Toward the Ultimate Figure, March 18th through June 18th. Alberto Giacometti is widely acclaimed as a defining artist of modernism and of the 20th century. The exhibition investigates the creative process that led to Giacometti's figures through sculpture, painting, and drawing. To learn more information about viewing the first major retrospective of this artist's work in the Midwest, visit nelson-atkins.org. Tune in every Saturday at 5 p.m. for Changing Narratives, a program hosted by me, Brother Jack. Join me for interviews and discussions that will be informative and entertaining. While interviewing some of the unsung heroes from the African-American community, our goal is to bring balance to the negative narratives that are currently being shared. Once again, every Saturday at 5 p.m., Changing Narratives with Brother Jack. FM, KKFI, Kansas City, Community Radio, Urban Connections, your host Donna Wolf, our co-host Karen E. Griffin in studio, and our guest joining us remotely from Denver, Colorado today, uh, Damron Russell Armstrong, who is the executive director and founder of the Black Repertory Theater of Kansas City. You know, I, for some reason want to always complicate the name repertory and spell it all kind of crazy ways <laughs> like repertory and and stuff like that. But what does that mean, repertory theater? Let me turn your mic up. Hold on. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. But uh, the idea uh, behind starting this company is that I really do want it to sort of live up to its name. Mm -hmm. Repertory theater uh, was once in its uh, true uh, incarnation is about 20, 30 people get together. Mm -hmm. And in that company, they all do all of the job. Mm -hmm. So on this show, you're going to write the grant. Mm -hmm. On, On this show, Karen is going to direct. Mm-hmm. In this show, I'm going to build the set. But for the season, we all switch. Mm-hmm. The second show, I'm directing. Karen's the star of the show, and you're doing hair and makeup. Okay. So it's a, it's a community within a company that it. do all of the work. Okay. So that's a repertory uh, as far as the as as far as the people are concerned, mm-hmm. but then also repertory in 
sort of what the theme of the season is. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's a collective effort. There you go. A collective yes. effort. So you spent. Yeah. It, is, it, is, it is a collective. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you spent 20 years in New York and doing shows and stuff. And um, for, I got a couple of questions about that. Uh, what <laughs> other jobs did you have to do in New York while you were being an actor? And who are some people that you might uh, have met that we might have heard of? We have heard of. Uh, well, <laughs> working working from... The past to the present. Okay. Um, my first job was working as an usher at the Beacon Theater. Okay. Uh, where I got to meet uh, uh, Phil Spector. Okay. And, uh, and Ronnie Spector for uh, music the producers. people, uh, <laughs> radio listeners of a certain age will know yeah. Phil Spector from any girl group of the 60s. He was okay. one of the producers, mm-hmm. including uh, Ronnie and the Ronettes. Be my little baby. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, so it, that was one of my... And so every night of being an usher at a live theater in New York City was just uh, stellar because it's just all of this all this talent. And, uh, oh, I forget what her name is. She's like the first lady... Of Latin, uh, oh my god, Celia goodness. Cruz. Yeah, Celia Cruz. Okay. Yes. All right. Wow. She performed at the Beacon. Wow. And I was just like, ah, ah, say name, mucho. I was like, ah. This is this is me at seventeen, going ah, walking down walking down the street uh, with my uh, Walkman. Mm-hmm. Uh, not looking where I was going, run literally into Matt Dillon, oh, and the God. words that came out of my mouth were, "You know who you are." Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> oh, he yeah. was like, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah." Auditioning for uh, Debbie Allen for Cat oh, wow. on a Hot Tin Roof. Wow! Uh, the all black version of it. Uh, a number of years back. Um, wow. So excited about getting, uh, audition goes well, bam, called back uh, for the following Monday, this is a Friday, um, leave walking on cloud nine. Halfway home, I realized I don't know what time the callback is. <laughs> when- what material I should prepare. Only you. Only you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I go back I go back on the Monday, explain to the uh auditor, I was here on a Friday. Oh they told gosh. me to come back on a Monday. <sighs> but I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> It's just that quick, like they rush me in, uh, and Debbie Allen is sitting behind. Oh my god! Uh, the table. That's so good. I proceed to explain to her. I was here on the Friday. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! 
<laughs> he said, somebody take this baby out of here. <laughs> he, don't know, he don't know what he's doing. Oh, my gosh. That is hilarious. <laughs> So that explains why you're so good now. That explains why you're so good. So I went back out, learned the part, and came back in. Okay. Uh, but those are just sort of, says it's the, the age-old actor thing. Yes, I'm an actor-waiter mm-hmm. line. Right Because on. in New York City, you have to have several jobs. I was a manager of a, a barbecue restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, but quite a bit of time was spent uh, uh, going to classes, studying, and uh, learning to do other jobs uh, within uh, the art form. Uh, but I had the opportunity of doing uh, a musical Children of Eden off-Broadway, uh, uh, the, uh, the Cradle Will Rock off-Broadway, uh, directed the um, uh, America's entry in the Pais Festival, in Guatemala. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, saying on Armed Forces Radio in Slovakia. Uh, just uh, uh, all the jobs. All the jobs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> all to support your passion. We we could be, I could be here with you all afternoon, Damron, <laughs> but we got to uh, make way for uh, Brother okay. Jay so and changing narratives. Yes, please do. Uh, the, we are working on a world premiere of a new musical written by local artists uh, Nedra Dixon and Pam Watson. I know. So stay tuned for our next season in 2023-24 season. The show will premiere in January. Uh, We're super excited about this sort of the legacy this is going to bring for our city to the first time in my knowledge of two African-American women writing and scoring a musical that has eight african-american women in it singing oh, everything from opera to gospel oh, That's gonna be cool. and what's it going to be called so what's it going to be called uh, it's called a god sibs tale hmm. so god g-o-d s-i-b apostrophe s okay which is uh, god and when you listen to it it sounds like i'm saying gossip mm-hmm. because is the root of the word gossip. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, when women uh, died in childbirth, there would be a black woman would take over the raising of the child. So oh. the village would become the mother to the child. I see. Okay. In its original incarnation. It, of course, in modern times has turned into uh, women in a, a, a sort of a coffee clutch gossiping about something. But in its original incarnation, it really is the the godlike nature of taking care of one's village. And so the the show uh, uh, starts with the birth of a child of uh, the the Caucasian benefactor of the town uh, and his very, very young Caucasian wife who gives birth to a very black child. Okay, here we go. Damn, Ron. <laughs> this is going to be good. Thanks. Uh, thank you so much. 